In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Those lessons are challenging, huh? Who is this Jesus anyway? Well, one of the most challenging and important lessons I learned about faithfulness, I learned when I was in first grade. It's when my parents signed me up at age six for the spring t-ball league. I was so excited because I got my own practice tee, I got a bat, a ball, a mitt, and the uniform. I was a member of the Reds. Well, there are two things I remember most about being part of the team. One, the moms brought delicious snacks at the end of each game. <laughs> and two, I didn't really like t-ball at all. <laughs> I came home one day ready to quit the team. I'd been assigned to the outfield, and it was out there that I decided to sit down, cross my legs, pick the dandelions, look up at the sky, sing some songs, and suddenly a ball traveled <laughs> right over my head and onto the ground. That coach that was so nice in those first days, he was yelling at me. <laughs> oh, I was supposed to catch the ball. I was not really happy that I had to keep playing this game that I didn't really care about. So I told my parents that night, Mom, Dad, I'm through. I'm done with t-ball. You can take me off the team now. I fully expected that I'd never have to be subject to the kind of humiliation that happens when the ball flies past your head in the outfield. But my dad said, Allison, in our family, we keep our commitments till the end. You will play t-ball till the season is over, and then you'll never have to play again. Well, I whined and complained at first. But my parents kept taking me back, pushing me out of the car, making me fulfill my commitment. I found solace in the little Debbie snack cakes and the Gatorade that awaited me at the end. They served as a reward for my penance. Fast forward 20 years later. I'm on the seminary steps in Claremont. Unlike T-ball, I'm very passionate about the commitment I'm about to make. I'm going to be ordained. I'm assured that this is the right thing, but I've had this realization. I'm committing the rest of my life to this vocation. And in the Rainey family, the rest of your life means the rest of your life. I've just read in the ordination liturgy the words that echo through the book of Hebrews, the Old Testament, the Psalms. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's time to call Dad. Dad, this commitment of faith I'm about to make service to God, it's forever. What if it turns out to be like t-ball? <laughs> what if it's not what I expected after all? All of us, 
as Christians. Somehow I missed the point when I was baptized, when I was confirmed. Make a forever commitment to God. And it's not just priests, deacons, bishops. The fulfillment of our commitment only comes when the kingdom comes. We're talking forever in our life on this earth, guys. At every baptism, that forever commitment happens after I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whether this happened when you were a baby or when you were an adult, the priest then marked the sign of the cross and oil on your head and said those words that leaped out and seized all of us. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. Today we encounter two men facing the reality of forever. Peter and Abraham. The first time God calls Abraham, he knows he's making a life-changing forever commitment. This guy's got the life. He's living in the land of Ur. It's prosperous. It's probably one of the most advanced civilizations in the world. He's leaving the comforts of this world for a land he knows little or nothing about. This is a faithful man, and he knows this is going to require his life. So Abraham continues to follow in faith, and he gets close with God, and God tells him, I will make you a great nation. Years go by. Abraham keeps faithfully following God, but where's this great nation God's talking about? Sarah is unable to have any children. I imagine Abraham's very frustrated with God at this point. The scriptures reveal, in fact, he is. He's unsure about this forever commitment to God. And God promises him again. This time he adds, do not be afraid. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Well, at that point, he's in his 70s. And by the time we get to today's lesson, Abraham is an old man, 99 years old, older than anybody here in this room. And his wife, Sarah, she's 90. They still have no child together. I don't know about you guys, but at this point, I'd be tempted to say, forget it, God. (laughs) I'm going back to Ur. I'm done with this. This is not forever. I'm done. But God promised this child, and not only that, that his descendants would number the stars. Abraham, unlike what many of us would do, remains faithful. God assures him this time. Sarah will have a son. And by that son, there will be many nations. Abraham's response, we we missed it today. They didn't put it in the lectionary. So if if you want to see it, I'll say it in just a little bit. It's in the 17th chapter of Genesis, the 17th verse. Abraham heard that he was going to have a child at the age of 99 by his 90-year-old wife. And then Abraham fell to his face and laughed. He just started cracking up. You've got to be kidding me, God. How can a man who's 99 years old give life into this world by a 90-year-old woman? 
He laughed at the absurdity of it all. And when Sarah found out, she laughed. She laughed and laughed. And finally, that baby was born. And you know what they named him? He laughs. Isaac. Abraham was following an absurd God. Abraham wasn't laughing anymore when that baby boy grew up into a young man and said, I want you to sacrifice that son. Bring him up the mountain to me. And then Abraham was faithful, and he went up, and he raised the dagger to sacrifice his son. And it's only in that moment that God stopped it, stopped the test of faith. In today's gospel, Peter faces the reality of forever, and he responds a little differently. He's looking at what it means to follow Jesus. When Peter had first made a commitment to follow Jesus, he dropped everything, left everything behind. He's out in the middle of work as a fisherman. Jesus says, follow me, drops his nets, and follows immediately. I can only imagine how exhilarating it was in those first months following Jesus. It probably felt really good in the weeks that preceded this moment when he saw Jesus healing, when so many people were being cured of their disease, when Jesus calmed that storm. What a comfort to be with somebody like that who can make a storm stop. When everyone was hungry and Jesus fed 5,000 men besides the women and the children. What a blessing. When he walked on water, this man is a miracle worker. But today, Jesus is talking about his own death. Very clearly, he says, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, face rejection, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Today we see a different side of Peter, the excited follower of Christ. He's wavering in his faith. The forever call to follow, it's not looking so promising anymore. Peter must have been thinking, I did not sign up for this. Take me off the team. I'm done. He wasn't buying this kind of faithfulness. When Jesus started talking about suffering, rejection, and death, he couldn't take it anymore. He stopped Jesus and pulled him aside. He started reprimanding him. How dare you talk about these things? This isn't what I signed up for. And then Jesus made it clear what a half-hearted faithfulness. This only being committed when it feels good or right for me. What it really is. Peter's response is worse than missing the point. Jesus looks Peter directly in the face and says, Get behind me, Satan. This is where faith gets hard. The forever commitment. Stick with it when it's not feeling so great. Make a personal sacrifice. Take up my cross and follow Jesus. Lose my life as I know it. When it comes to our relationship with God, this is part of the forever. 
Do you ever wonder what kind of God we're serving anyway? That maybe God's given up on you, given up on someone you love. Maybe you've wondered if God's led you down a path that you know nothing about. You don't know why you're here and why things are going the way they're going. I encourage you to read our psalm for today, but don't just read the last part of it that we all read together. Read the whole thing. Psalm 22. You can find it in your prayer books or you can open up your Bibles. You'll find here that you're not alone in these questions. That psalmist, too, asked, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is this what faithfulness looks like? That's the question that Jesus himself asks his own Father God while he's dying on the cross. Can you imagine how this relationship with God could go? The psalm could have continued, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Since I don't feel your presence, you must not be real. Since you bring me to places that don't feel so great, I give up. You go your way, and I'm going to go mine. I am done having faith. Of course, that's not how the psalm goes. Instead, Psalm 22 gives us a glimpse of a person who remains faithful throughout hunger, thirst, illness, feelings of abandonment, and even the threat of death. Today's psalm is a psalm that praises God. A God who follows through on his promise even when times are tough. A God who ultimately saves us from our suffering. This psalm is for those of us who believe that commitment to God is forever. We may be challenged. We may be uncomfortable. We may be unhappy. We may be unsure and doubting at times on this Christian path. The good news is that the God we serve leads us on a pathway that even if it's dark, even if it's unsure, ultimately leads to life. That phone call to my dad, weeks before ordination, still rings in my head. Dad, this commitment I'm making says it's forever. What if it turns out to be like T-ball? What if it's not exactly what I expected? My dad replied, Allison, this is a forever commitment. You will always be a priest, and you will always keep your promise to do what you say you'll do. But the way you understand this will most certainly develop and change over time. It may not always feel right, and it's not always going to be easy, but that's the way forever commitments work, and that takes faith. After hearing today's scripture, it's normal for any of us in the room to be thinking, this commitment to Christ, it's forever? What if it turns out to be like another failed relationship I've experienced? What if it's not exactly what I expected? I echo the words of my father to you today, assuring you, 
You are forever Christ's own. Forever. And I hope you'll always keep the promises of your baptism. But the way you understand the path of Jesus now will most certainly develop and change. It might not always feel good or right. It's not going to always be easy. That's the way forever commitments work. And that takes faith. So today, to the absurdity of the call of God, we laugh with Abraham and Sarah. To the challenge of the cross, we join Peter and Jesus and are honest about how we feel. To our promise to be forever faithful, we keep that faith and join in generations before us who have gone before the pathway that ultimately leads to life. Amen.